0: All right, so if you were here last week, things looked a little bit differently than the normal. Uh, we started something a little bit different um, as we looked at, looked at going forward for CRC. We, we, start, we started a three-week exploration, I guess you could say, on some things that, that we want to move forward in, to, for, to be focuses on for this local church And I went. I'm going to run through these really quickly, just to recap, because I know there's multiple multiple people here that were not here last week. So uh, I'm just going to run through it really, really fast. So for CRC, we want to be really focusing on three areas. The first one, we want to grow. Well, sorry, I didn't use this fancy one that Tanner put it made. So we want to grow through being disciple makers and through being ambassadors. We want to mature through an established biblical foundation, through an established discipleship plan, and through an established community focus. And the the third one. So, we want to reach by establishing connections, by sending, supporting, and serving, and by being known. And so we kind of talked about this as a whole just a little bit last week. And then, but we're going through last week, we talked about grow. What it it looks like to grow biblically, for us as a church to to grow through being disciple makers, through being ambassadors for Christ, for being ambassadors for His local church. This week, we're going to talk about maturing. What does it look like for us to pursue maturity? And how that is such an integral part of where we want to go as a church, that we don't want to, to remain infants. As, as Scripture would say. We want to, to long for, for, the, for maturity, long for Christ to work in our hearts, to continue to make us more and more like Him. So our, our conversation last week on growing directly leads into the conversation we're going to have this morning on maturing. Because crucial to this growth is going to be also our maturity. It's not just... Maturity in age or maturity in stature, maturity in growing older. But it's the maturity that, that leads to each one of us becoming more and more like Jesus. So, I struggle whether or not to use this or not. But like, it's because like the Christian life is not just this, to use a popular phrase, this, it's not a destination, it's this journey. that's corny. But, man, I knew I shouldn't have done it. Um, But, like, as we become Christians, like, we are justified in an instant that, that through Christ's work on the cross, he accomplishes that in a moment. But the Christian life, that becoming more like Jesus, is something that is over a lifetime. That in Christ, we are reconciled to God. We talked about this last week. That God brings us into his family through Christ. We're brought into the family of God but we've talked about this process of sanctification. So when I'm talking about maturing, becoming more like Christ, and the process of sanctification, that's really talking the same thing. But while we talk about God changing us and making us more like Jesus, it's also not something that we just sit by and do nothing. That our, The sanctification process, being made more like Jesus, and our pursuit of Jesus, really go hand in hand. I think that too many people in the church, talking American church, global church, big church, see being saved as this like end all. They they pray a prayer when they're six, they are baptized, they never really grow up in their faith. That going to church on Sundays just becomes something that they do, it's routine. They go on Sundays, hear a guy stand up and say a couple words, they go home, all to do it again next week. It's these types of people that, that really look a lot like the world around them. They claim the name of Jesus when it's convenient. They become apathetic to the things that Jesus loves. They have some basic head knowledge of what the Bible says, some basic knowledge on, on, on spiritual things. But that's all it is. I feel like we see this all the more in the Bible Belt South down here. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Hebrews uh, about this. It's Hebrews 5.12. It'll be up on the screen. The writer of Hebrews says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of, of the oracles of God. He's saying that by this time, you should be maturing. By this time, you should have grown up, but you're still babies. You're still needing to be fed. You're still on the basics. And then he he continues in verse 6-1. He says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. He's saying to, to go on, to mature, to grow up, and this is what we're talking about this morning. That, that growing up, maturing in our faith, and how that should be true of every single one of us who claims the name of Jesus. Because the Christian faith is not a one-time thing. It's not an activity that you do on one Sunday, and then that's it. It is a lifetime of pursuing Jesus, of being made more like him. And the importance of the local church in this is really, really key. We're going to talk a little bit this morning. Like It is the role of the church to guard that doctrine, to teach sound doctrine, to to encourage one another, to exhort one another, to encourage one another to, to grow up into maturity. And this is not meant to scare anyone. But at Christ Reconciled Church, at CRC... We're not okay to just let people sit by on the sidelines. We're not okay with people just falling into a routine of going to church, going home, going to church, going home. We're not okay with that because I do not see that type of faith in the Bible. I'm not saying we do this perfectly. I think we scared some people with this. But we want to focus on maturing, each and every one of us, each and every one of us. I want to run through three ways that we've kind of established. Huh, good word choice. That we've established. And you saw it on there. Can you back up for a second to the one talking about mature? I was going to make another slide, sorry. But well, I'll be back a little bit. So we want to mature through an established biblical foundation through an established discipleship plan, and through an established community focus. So I just want to run through some of these real quick. So an established biblical foundation. We want all that we do as a church, as a church family, all that we do to come from this foundation, including this vision, including all that we do to come from the truth that we see in Scripture. But it's not something that just happens accidentally. This is an intentional focus that we want to have as a church. Because this should really be what drives everything that we do. I mean, honestly, this very well could be under each of the, under grow, under mature, under reach. Because an established biblical foundation is really what drives our growing, it's our maturity, our, our reach. All of that is coming from Scripture. So when I say biblical foundation, I'm not just talking about maturity, that it doesn't impact grow, it doesn't impact reach. It is through the whole thing. So we're gonna look at a couple at a couple things in 2 Timothy, um, a couple different verses through this morning. But in 2 Timothy, we see Paul writing to Timothy, and he's saying, he's encouraging Timothy. He's saying, he says, run the race that you've been given. He says, you as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a young leader in the church urging him to continue on. So in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 15, Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. As I read this, I can't help but think that much of our following Jesus, much of our being obedient to him, comes from our rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the words that God has given us. Reading them, knowing them, obeying them. And this first section of established biblical foundation. I know last week I kind of said a lot of these things we're going to flesh out together as a church. We're going to explore how we put these in practice. This one is really, should be, what I see in Scripture, be guided by the elders, the pastors of the church. Because it is the role that God has given us to, to guard the doctrine, to teach the truth of Scripture. So when I establish a biblical, biblical foundation, I really think starts with biblical eldership. Biblical leadership within the church. I'm not going to get into a whole teaching on what church leadership looks like and all that. But what we see in Scripture is is that there's two offices in the church. Pastor, elder, shepherd, you can kind of lump those three into one, and deacon. See, elder and deacon. And again, I'm not going to give you a full rundown, but what I, what we see in Scripture is that a plurality of elders, meaning more than one, established in every church. You see that all through. I mean, James 5, Acts 14, Acts 20, 1 Peter 5. Consistently through Scripture, you see multiple elders being established in every church and this is something that we want to be obedient to I mean practically speaking this helps in so many ways like believe it or not the three of us do not agree on everything it's crazy like this isn't one singular unitarian rule like the three of us are very different different experiences lean different ways on different things but all submitting to the authority of scripture but again, I think there's practical reasons for this. I mean, I don't plan on going off and teaching crazy things, but I'm confident that if I was to do this, that I would be corrected. And same goes for Tanner. Same goes for Dale. Like, honestly, seeing what I see in Scripture of a biblical eldership being a plurality of elders, seeing the way that I've, knowing the way that I've seen it play out in the local church, there's no way I would ever want to be the sole pastor of a church. More, more on that. Um, there are some times when that happens, um, but another conversation. But we believe that an established, established biblical foundation begins with this plurality of elders. And second, we believe this plays out in expositional preaching of Scripture. I'm going to read you a quote real quick. Just what is expositional preaching? What do we mean when we say that? Because you can say preaching, and then there's all these different big words you can throw in there. Here's what Tim Keller says. He says, expositional preaching grounds the message in the text so that all the sermon points are the same points in the text, and it majors in the text major ideas. So this is why you've seen, generally speaking, when we preach, we take one set of verses, whether it's two verses or whether it's 50 verses, or I think in Psalm, I think there's like 65 or something like that. Well, but no matter how many verses it is, we take that text. What we, we say, what are the truths found in this scripture? What, is this, what does this scripture mean? We don't say, all right, we're going to talk on love, and we're going to pull out all these different verses on love and, and add them all together. Be More of like the topical. And I'm not I'm not saying that topical is always wrong. We have done topical sermons here. I mean, honestly, right now is more topical. (laughs) So as I'm talking about established this expositional preaching, I'm saying, generally speaking, we will walk through entire books of the Bible, go straight through Matthew, go straight through 1 John, go straight through Hebrews, all these things. Generally speaking, we think this is good. See, the whole counsel of God, all that he teaches, all through his Bible, We don't want to just preach my interest or Tanner's interest. We want it to be grounded in the Word of God. Again, we believe 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, which we all have memorized. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All Scripture. And this leads us to preach expositionally. Also, Bible memorization. We want this to be an active part of our church. And I know some of you are thinking, wait, 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 we tried that, we did that. We haven't done that for like six months now. We see how important that is. Not just reading the word of God, but knowing it, ingesting it. Absolutely, like knowing it. This is, it's that Psalm 119. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We want to store up the word of God in our hearts and know it. I'll admit, I think we got in a little bit over our heads when we first started this back in February, March. I think we, didn't know how to swim, and we jumped in a 10-foot pool, um, and that, 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 that's on us, um, but, we're, but we, we do, we still think it is important, and we're going to kind of reevaluate how we do this, and we are going to make this a priority in the church again, on a, maybe a more gradual basis, but we really do believe in the importance of this. If we start seeking to grow, to mature, to reach, if we try to do this without this established biblical foundation, we are going to fail. We are going to fall on our faces. So as we pursue maturity, as we want to be made more like Jesus, it's going to come from Scripture. It's going to be based everything on Scripture. Scripture. Just as Paul encouraged Timothy, to rightly handle the word of truth. Rightly handle the word of truth. This is what we want to focus on. To mature as the word of God shapes us, as we rightly handle the word of truth. Number two, an established discipleship plan. We want to mature through an established discipleship plan. And I don't want to... Assume that everyone's on the same page with what it means to... What does does discipleship mean? What does it mean to disciple someone? And I read a a lot of different people's quotes on this as well, um, but I thought what would be helpful is actually to go and read Matthew 28, where we were last week. Because the word discipleship is not actually found in the Bible. The full word, discipleship. We see make disciples. We see, like, be disciple-makers. We don't see, actually, discipleship. So Matthew 28... 18 through 20. known as the Great Commission. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Without a big, deep study into this, you see very clearly, Clearly, four commands. He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. See, making disciples does not end with conversion. Making disciples does not end when someone is baptized. This is a lifelong process teaching all that Jesus commanded. Imagine if that was a one-time thing. There's no way. So when we're talking discipleship, we're talking about that lifelong journey of walking with someone, teaching them what Jesus has commanded. That sanctification process, walking along someone in that process. This is something that we want to make a priority here, discipling others. And this does happen kind of organically in in, in how we are. I mean, this happens through Sunday morning preaching. This happens in community group. This happens in other one-on-one relationships within the church. It's not that it doesn't happen, but we want to make sure that we are being intentional to disciple because I don't think we have a very good grasp on what this means, on what this actually looks like on the ground level. And I'm not going to get into all the specifics, all the details of this this morning. Um, We'll get into that more as we go. But But we think that every single person that is a part of this church should be both being discipled by someone and discipling someone else, at least another person. I just realized I was going to throw a picture up here, and I forgot to do it. Um, the I will. I'm going to. It's on my phone. I'll hold that up here. Um, <laughs> but we think this is really important, that an established discipleship plan is set up for us to multiply. It's set up for us to grow. It is established who you're being discipled by and who you are discipling. I mean, this is, this is true of every one of us as a part of this church. Elder, non-elder, anyone we should both be being discipled and being a disciple maker and discipling someone. So this picture, I'm going to describe it and you're going to have a perfect image and you're going to imagine it's up there. Uh, there is a picture of one person who then was discipling two people. And then those two, that, those two people were then discipling two people themselves. So then it went from one to two to four To a 16? It was. It's just like pyramid style, but it was sideways. It was like weird shaped. But it was also nicely color coded. So then you see that the impact that the one guy, the one person was having with the two, just grew grew and grew and grew to a point where the one person's never going to be able to have that kind of impact with the 16 or the 64 or the, do the math. And it's, it's set up to multiply. It's set up to multiply. And we want to, to really establish this. Because as, as God adds people to the church, as people are saved and added to the church, automatically is Someone is discipling them. Someone is coming alongside of them and teaching them the scriptures. But there's this I think there's this misnomer, this belief that you have to be a Bible scholar in order to disciple someone. You've got to know everything before you can then go and teach someone. And that's not true at all. Like, it's a growing process for both people involved. It's taking someone alongside and saying, I don't know everything, but we're going to learn together. We're going to walk through this together. People always say that, that belief that, oh, I've got to know everything to be able to teach someone down here. And then i got to bring them up to know everything that I know. That's not at all. There is a guy that I worked with in China that always described it as, it's, it's more like this, and as you learn, you're teaching someone as you go. So it's not that you know all these things, and teaching someone who just doesn't know anything, but it's this back and forth of you, you learning, you teaching, you learning, you teaching, growing together. So again, we want our growth to to just flow from this as well. As I said, this is set up to multiply. It's set up for us to grow as people are added to the church, as God continues to save people. We see examples of this all through Scripture. I'm not going to read these, but maybe if you're taking notes, you want to jot these down. Ephesians 6.4, we see that fathers are called to teach their children and instruct their children in the ways of the Lord. Titus 2.4, we see that older women are called to teach and build up younger women. Hebrews 3.13, we see all believers are called to exhort one another and teach one another the truth of Scripture. Acts 18, we see Priscilla and Aquila come and take along Apollos and teach him a little bit more deeply the words of truth. In 2 Timothy, this is still in 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 2. I think this one's up here. Paul says, sorry, this is 1 and 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See what Paul is saying? He's saying, take what all you've learned from me, And teach others who will also be teaching others. It doesn't end with Timothy. It doesn't end with the people that Timothy's teaching. It's a multiplication. It's continual. What we're taking is not just for us to gain knowledge, but to teach others. We we really believe that this is going to be foundational for us as a church as we are growing, as we are maturing, as we are reaching. There's, there's going to be more on this. We're going to talk about this a lot more in the upcoming weeks and, and months of what this is actually going to look like. But I would encourage you to, to ask, it's something I've been doing a lot this week and Brent and I were talking about it, who's discipling me? And who am I discipling? Ask yourself that. We'll talk about it more. Number three, an established community focus. We want to mature through an established community focus. When I'm saying community, I'm not talking about Johnson City. I'm not talking about Carver. I'm talking about the community inside this church. Outside community, that's next week. We're, we're going to talk about that. But when I'm talking about community focus, I'm talking about here, us as a church, as a family. Talking about this body of Christ, the one that God has knit together here. It's, it's almost, it, community is almost this like trendy church word people use. Oh, community. Oh, we're a community. We're a community. But we really do believe that this is so important in the life of a church. We've read it a lot recently. I'm not going to read it this morning. But when I read through Acts, what you see, specifically in Acts 2 and 4, but all the way through, is this body believers. It says they have all things in common, eating together often. And God is adding to the church. As Christians, we were not meant to go at this alone. It was not an uh, individual type of thing. I mean, you could, you could use so many different examples in this. God was not alone. Within the Trinity, he had community. Adam was alone. He had Eve in community. The Christian walk is not something to, that we go about alone. so important, this this community, this community focus. But this type of community is something that is not embraced by much of the world. Like, the, the world really preaches this individual mindset of, you do you, I'll do me. You run your race, I'll run mine. You do what you have to do to get where you want to go, no matter what you got to, who you got to step on, no matter what you got to do, you do you, I'll do me. You keep your private life to yourself, I'll keep mine to myself. Let's, we, you can't rely on anyone, no one can be trusted. It's this individual mindset. The list goes on and on. But the community that I see in Scripture, the community that we teach here is so different than this. It's this community that says, "No, we're running this race together. We're holding on to one another. As life gets hard, we hold on even tighter. We don't retreat; we hold on tighter. Our private privatized like like I don't want to air my dirty laundry in front of all these people. But as a church community, I think that we that we've seen this in different in different ways." that we can we can do this we can be ourselves we can let ourselves be known it's because we we all suffer in the same ways we all had the same great need for saving we all had the same sin that we were dead in we all have the same need. And if not for Christ, we have the same story. But followers of Jesus also have a new same story. That when Christ adopts us into his family, when God says, through Christ, I'm reconciling you to myself, I'm adding you to my family, we get this new identity. As In the family of God, one with Him, we no longer have, we're no longer identified by that dirty laundry. We're no longer identified by those, that sin that we were stuck in. But we are identified by what Christ has done. So we can walk into a community, walk into this family. Not identified by our past sin, but identified, rejoicing, boasting in what Christ has done. Because we're in this together. We're in this together. I can't tell you how many times I've said that to various people. We're in this together, pointing towards the community focus. Like, as a church, we get to rejoice together. We get to cry together. We get to hurt together. When someone's struggling, we get to struggle together. I'm not trying to say that's easy. It's not. It's not at all. When things are difficult, it's really easy to run away, to close up, to retreat, to want nothing to do with people who might actually care about us. I get that. I've been there. But as a community, as the church, this is a privilege that we have to walk through this together. In the hurt, in the rejoicing, in the pain, all of it. I talked about it last week, but Paul writes in, 2 Corinthians, or in 1 Corinthians 12 that he describes the church as a body. As a body. When one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. When one part's happy, the other part's happy. If you've ever stubbed your toe, your hands don't keep rejoicing while you stub your toe, you react, your whole body responds. Story time for later. But we're, that's what Scripture describes as that, a body. We are a body. And so much of what we do is centered around this community. Community groups. We meet throughout the week. These are not just Bible studies. When we meet together in smaller groups, they're not just Bible studies. They are community-focused Some of them also might study the Bible, but they're community. Pointing one another to the gospel. Crying with one another. Rejoicing with one another. Sharing our hurts. Celebrating together. Again. Not saying it's easy. It's hard. It's hard. But it's so necessary. And if you are a part of this church and are not in a community group, I cannot encourage you enough, regardless of your past experiences, how you feel that looks like. But let's talk about that. I'm not trying to pretend that we have this all figured out, that we do this perfectly. That's not what I'm trying to say. But when I read through Acts, I see a community. When I read Hebrews, I see the writer say, don't neglect to meet together. When I read through Paul's letters, I see him saying to the church, as he's writing to be of one mind. Be together. I'll remind you of 1 John again. Love one another. We want this to be a central part to this journey towards maturity, to being made more like Christ. I know I've said it a couple times, but this is sometimes really hard. Like, being a part of this level of community sometimes means saying the hard things. It might mean correcting one another but it also means encouraging one another. It means loving one another. It means serving one another. It means loving one another in the ups and in the downs. And we want this level of community, whether we're 30, 300, 3,000, a community focus. all these things we're talking about, these are not things that happen overnight. This is not me saying, all right, we're going to start this today, we're there tomorrow. If only it were that easy. But it's a journey that we are able to walk together, pursuing Christ together, rejoicing in what Christ has done together. But if we think about all three of these, grow mature, reach. If you take out mature, if you take that out, then we are built on something very, very shallow. If you take out mature, we're going to be washed away. If we're just trying to add numbers, if we're just trying to, to go big, but not being grounded in our faith, not being grounded in maturity, not pursuing Christ, not being made more and more like Him, then we've missed it. Let me close with this. Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, we have a promise that God is going to finish what he started. He's going to finish it. He's going to finish it. Look at Romans 8, 29 through 30. For those whom He foreknew He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those those whom He predestined He also called and those He called He also justified and those He justified He also glorified. Do you see that progression all the way through? From the beginning to the end. None are lost in that progression. God does the whole thing those he foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified. All a work of God. Like this can give us confidence as we pursue maturity. As we, as we pursue Jesus. I said, the pursuit of Jesus and God making us more like his son, they go hand in hand. We don't just sit back and not do anything. We don't pursue maturity and think that we can accomplish it by ourselves. Those two things go hand in hand. But what I'm saying this morning is that as we pursue this, as we are pursuing Christ, as we want to be made more like Him, through this biblical foundation, through discipling one another, through through a community focus, as we pursue Jesus together, let's trust that He's going to finish it. That he is going to do it. This is not something we accomplish. So, a- a- as we respond, I want to respond however you feel led. But again, I said this last couple of weeks. First of all, just praise God for what he has done, praise God for Jesus. That he did not leave us alone in our sin with just our dirty laundry. That he has sent Jesus. And if that's not something that you understand, God has sent Jesus to save us, to bring us into his family. Won't you trust that? That's what it is. He has done it. But then, won't you pray for yourself? Pray for this church? Pray for one another? As we are in this together, as we pursue Christ together, as we continually point one another to Christ, as we disciple new believers, as we expect God to grow us to add to this church as new disciples are being made. Let's pursue Jesus together and trust that God will accomplish what he started.